I do podcast episode 40. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Kate Roberts. Hey, Dr. Kate. Hey. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you on. I'm very excited to be talking to you both. Dr. Kate Roberts is a child and family psychologist and coach with over 25 years of experience. She is a well-known expert in the field of families, including parents, couples, and child psychology, and has published a number of articles in professional journals. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I think that the relationship is the foundation to the family, and so if people can have a really solid relationship, then everything is going to work better in the family, and children aren't going to have as many adjustment problems, and things are just going to be happier all around. So it's really a paramount goal is to have a solid partnership between two, you know, parents or partners that are in a family. Well, our topic today is the three C's of couplehood, connection, communication, and chemistry. And you talk about all of these things and why they're important to couplehood. And we're going to dive right in with the first one of connection. Would you mind giving us a little bit more information on on why connection is important in couplehood? Well, because I think that connection implies there's a deeper relationship beyond whatever surface brought two people together. It, it means that there's an understanding about what people can bond around and how they want to enjoy themselves as a couple, separate from the rest of the world. So if two people are connected with each other, they're able to understand each other and they're able to share life experiences in a unique and profound way. And in order to maintain that, couples do have to work at it as their lives become more complicated as they build on their lives and create present leading into future. So I think that whatever the connection points are early on can be built on as traditions and they need to happen periodically. I think oftentimes, unfortunately, what happens with couples is that they have some really pivotal connection points around shared experiences, shared activities. For example, they might like to go to the theater or they might want to enjoy music together. And then as they become more committed, their relationship is somewhat put uh, aside from other priorities. 
that's normal and natural. On the other hand, for couples who want to maintain and keep their connection alive, they need to prioritize that, even when it seems like they have to put other things aside. Yeah, that's such a great point. And we've talked a lot about the connection with other people that we have on the show. And one thing we talk about is trying something new to reestablish that connection and bring you closer in your relationship. Well, I definitely think that growth, both individually and as a couple, is pivotal and paramount for couples to be successful. And so I think that it's really twofold. I think the things that brought couples together should continue to be active and and be maintained, um, even though it seems like there might be competing priorities as their lives move forward. On the other hand, I think that um, trying new experiences, of course, having children together is a whole new experience for couples if they decide to raise a family, but buying a house together, I mean, there's so many opportunities for new shared experiences. It's not like a couple has to work hard to create them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if it's as simple as this might be a little extreme, but going skydiving or a, sp- a specific <laughs> a specific activity, you don't necessarily have to have to buy a house or, or have a child. No, I mean, you you know, I think that the first time a couple takes a trip, yeah, you know, the first time they might join a new social situation, the first time one takes the other to a work party, I mean, their whole life as a couple is going to be a new shared experience. There's big milestones, and then there's everyday milestones. Do you ever work with anyone that has, or any couples that come into a rut and they're in this situation where they're not really trying anything new? Is there any particular or specific exercises or activities you tell them to do? Or is it just that you say, go try something new, go do something exciting? Well, I think that, you know, it really starts with communication and being able to listen and and express back and forth what each person is thinking. So, for example, you know, what I would say is, you know, what do you both like to do? And somebody might say, well, you know, I like to try different restaurants. But they might also say, but I don't want to say, you know, a restaurant because he might not like it. So, you know, trying to, because at that point when they're already having problems, things might be a little difficult. Mm -hmm. So even mundane decisions like that can become complex. And there's a lot of hesitation and reluctance in some of those stressful and strained relationships to even venture into everyday decision-making together. So what I try to do is encourage them to just be open, communicate, and be willing to compromise around well, maybe one day, you know, you make the decision and the next day the other person or the next time the other person makes the decision. I find what often happens in couples that create part of the staleness and the disconnect is that, you know, they get into these roles 
where one person ends up making the other decisions and, and another person is, you know, typically passive. And, you know, you just don't want that to happen. You want it to be more um, fluid and you want it to be more dynamic. Well, that's great advice. And, and you briefly touched on communication. And that's the next C of couplehood that, that we're going to go into is communication and how couples click together and how they can understand each other and how that's so important. So do you mind going over that a little bit more for our listeners and why communication is so important? Well, I think communication is really paramount. And I think what happens today is that there's not a lot of time for anybody to communicate about anything. And there's so much miscommunication with the virtual world and technology as a medium for communication. So what I encourage couples to do is as much as we all use technology all the time, when it when it's something important and something that has to do with their relationship, to not be texting back and forth about it, mm-hmm. but to actually have some time to communicate and also to not be communicating during transitions. Okay, let's not start a conversation about something important as you know you're going to leave in five minutes. And I feel like because the world is so full of transitions, maybe 20 a day, you know, for any given family, maybe a little less for a couple, but there's a lot of transitions that occur that what is um, best for communication is to set aside ideally a daily time of, um, you know, 30 minutes at the end of the day and to sit down and to put, you know, technology aside, to put responding to other needs or children or anything else aside and just focus on communicating. And at that point, you know, you might have to talk about some logistics or practical things, but also just to share about what happened in the day. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that time should be a time of connection. And so I think when I say people communicating at the end of the day, I don't mean sitting there criticizing each other and processing the relationship in negative terms. I mean more sharing what went well for them, what they're feeling good about, and maybe in their own individual lives, what they would like to grow, you know, how they'd like to grow and what things aren't going so well, you know, just so they're checking in with each other because otherwise, how are you supposed to know? Absolutely. And I think that's such a great point about communication. You know, we talk about it all the time. There's so many factors that go into it, but recognizing the transitional points of a day and working your communication around that. And I always, it popped up into my mind, but this, it's kind of, I think I just saw it in a uh, sitcom, but it's like a classic situation of a couple. They're in the car, they're going to a family or a friend's house for a party. And one or the other brings up some touchy issue. You're not taking out the trash. And then there's sort of this argument and they're pulling up to the house at the, the barbecue. And then now this, this argument doesn't necessarily take place the way, not argument, but the communication doesn't take place the way it should. They go into the barbecue and now there's this sort of tension between the couple. That's just kind of what pops into my mind when I, when I think about those transitions. And when you're saying it, what I'm thinking of is the other point, which is nothing gets resolved, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's not enough time and there's too many distractions. So you open a door and then you don't have any resolution to it. And those kinds of unresolved conflicts build on each other in a way that's dysfunctional. 
Yeah, absolutely. So getting good communication and then timing your communication around transitional periods is, is something that's not we don't often talk about, but uh, I think that's really important. important point. When the communication is happening, the way that people are communicating is also really important. So, for example, if you're having a problem with some aspects of your partner's behavior, you know, to talk about it in I terms and to talk about how it's making the person who's having the problem feel as opposed to, you know, you make it hard for me to, or you make me feel. No, it's got to be more like, you know, I am struggling with, you know, um, the way you, um, you know, the way I feel when you have that tone with me, you know. So it's more ownership on the person who's having the problem and talking more about how they want to try and resolve it as opposed to asking the other person to change because they're having a problem. I think that, you know, you want to make sure that as one half of a couple, you're always owning the types of things that are a problem for you. Of course, you can point out what they are and you need to communicate around what they are. But then when the other person responds, it's just a lot of reflective listening back. So that if somebody said, well, I'm having, you know, feelings when I hear that you, you know, have a certain tone, I start to feel badly. And the other person can say, you know, so at times you feel badly when I speak in in this kind of a tone. You know, so it's it's reflected back, and so it's not a judgment, it's not defensiveness, it's opening up the conversation by allowing the person to hear what you've actually, what they've actually said. Well, that's great specific information that our listeners can practice in their communication. And another thing you talk about in communication that it's important to recognize is that sometimes it can become convoluted and misconstrued with stress of in the demands of family life. Yes. I mean, there's so many competing demands, as I was mentioning before, that I think that if couples have a basic understanding that there's not going to be judgment and there's not going to be criticism when people are short or when communication is thwarted or strained, during transitions and throughout the day when there's distractions, it's just sort of like a baseline level. We're both going to forgive each other for that. And then at the end of the day, when they connect, connecting around, you know, when there isn't distractions, trying to, you know, have a positive connection to build onto their foundation. But keeping the expectations low of each other, let's not expect people to be, you know, in an incredibly good spot all the time when they're trying to manage five things and um, also communicate to their partner. Well, that's awesome advice. We love it. And that leads us into the next C, which is chemistry. And chemistry, as as you mentioned in the article, is what brings people together. And so, and on the, that level of attraction. And so, do you mind telling our listeners why chemistry is important? Well, because I think that chemistry is, like you said, it's sort of a 
you know, it's hard to explain for any one person how it develops. You know, there's different theories. But when you have it, you know it. And, you know, you mentioned sitcoms earlier. I mean, we certainly hear about it on sitcoms. Oh, there's just chemistry or there isn't. And so when you have it, I think that that becomes a pivotal point for a foundation. So you have this, you know, romance, this feeling that you bring to each other that is something that doesn't happen with other people. And so that is something that you can continue to foster but it's also something that is um, a way to reconnect when things get stressed, to remember that despite all the other distractions and all the other pressures, this chemistry is not going to go away. Chemistry doesn't leave a relationship. I guess that's, that's an important point, you know. I mean, it stays with it even when people are having a lot of, conflict. Mm -hmm. Now, it might not be as present in the forefront, but if they're able to take a step back and be rational, they will recognize that they had this chemistry. If If they've had true chemistry to start with, that's why it's so important. If you don't have that as a baseline, then you can't really go back to that to fall back on when the rest of the relationship gets tough. Well, that's awesome advice. I love that. And you mentioned a little part in your article that chemistry is the glue that keeps the people together at tough times. And I really love that line because it is so true. It really is. And people, you know, most of us have been in a relationship where there's that kind of raw chemistry and then a relationship when there isn't. And so you can tell the difference, you know. I mean, it's just not as easy to get through the tough times when there isn't that foundation. Great. Well, thank you so much. We love that advice, and as well as our listeners, they will love it as well. What do you find is the most common reason couples struggle in their relationship? I think given all the stresses today, I think there's a competition for understanding so that couples really are challenged by feeling heard and that they don't feel the other one gets them as stress piles on to stress. So in the beginning, it's sort of like, you know, when you don't have that many, you know, long, you don't have a history and you don't have a lot of long-term experience and therefore, you know, additive stresses, um, you know, it's easy to sort of get each other and to really understand where you're coming from. Um, as things build and you have disappointments and, you know, you have to maintain the connection with all the other distractions, I think that there's some real um, eroding of the initial understanding that was there that can occur if you don't maintain this ongoing connection. So I think that A lot of times what you'll find is that when, at least when I see couples that are having problems, they're not getting to the point where either one of them is out of themselves enough to understand the other person. So I call that competition for understanding. So they have to stop competing. It's sort of like on the playground, the tit for tat. Well, you did that. Well, I did this. And you did that. And, you know, back and forth. You have to get out of that mode. There's no winner for that. It's sort of like... You know, we have to be able to take a step back and see the other person is struggling, what they're struggling with, be able to accept that, and then 
have the, you know, have it be reciprocal. And sometimes when it's tough, I think couples just need to accept that and, and not try to change it, but just kind of accept that it's, this is a tough time and we have to work through this instead of pointing a finger. Well, if you were different, then it wouldn't be so tough. That's great advice. And, and that goes to what we hear a lot is to re- remember you're on the same team. Don't go tit for tat like you're talking about because you're in it together and, and at the end of the day, you're on the same team. Yes, exactly. Now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds. I'll go first. And my question is, we've talked about the three C's of connection, communication, and chemistry. And I want to know if you found any one area is more important than the other. I think they really work together and they build off of each other. It's almost like um, one of those, you know, circles that intersect, those intersecting circles. Yeah. So, um, and the three really have to come together. I mean, I think that without the chemistry, you know, you can have great connection and communication, but I'm not sure you're going to be able to sustain the relationship in the same way. So if I had to choose one, I would say the chemistry. But obviously, you can't have chemistry without the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so, can't have. I mean, you can have chemistry, but you can't have a relationship without the other two. Yeah, that's a good point. They all they all complement each other. They do, but you can have a great connection and a great communication with a friend, and obviously, you're not going to have chemistry. Right. Yep. You can have chemistry with somebody though, who's not going to be your lifelong partner unless you have connection and communication. So you need all three for a successful relationship. You do. I mean, you do see, you do see marriages end and relationships and um, if just one of those is missing. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you for that. My question goes to uh, talking about our three C's again. And a lot of these, a lot of the times, these elements can be lost in everyday struggles. Do you have any specific tips for couples who may be struggling with keeping these, the three C's intact, and any exercises for them to practice? Well, I think the baseline is the 30 minutes a day, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a day of just talking about what's important to each other in their own lives and then as a couple. Keep the expectations low when you have competing interests. Let's not have it be like what I see for some people is like, if we can't have it all on a date night, then we don't do anything for each other as a couple, okay? You know, it's this extreme kind of society that we live in. We either have to be over the top or, you know, it doesn't exist. And that doesn't work because you can't have an all-night date night. You can't have that kind of intensity around your relationship at times. So um, I think having a core foundation of 20 to 30 minutes a day of just couple time at the end of the night, you know, before you go to bed or whatever, but not in the bedroom, down, you know, in a separate area is, you know, fundamental. And then during that time, maybe talking about once or twice a month, you know, some activities that we can plan, maybe one can plan one, the other one can plan the other. And try to maintain that as much as possible um, in some sort of a routine way. 
so that you have those things to look forward to. I think that, you know, getting away from everybody a couple of times a year at least is really important, having a few days away. Um, and then I also think, like we talked about, you know, not every week, maybe not every month, but having regular, you know, um, concerts or other fun activities, skydiving, whatever it is that's going to keep the relationship alive. Um, I also think the other part is making, you know, you can't have growth in a couple if the individuals aren't growing. And we're talking so much about couples, but what makes up a couple is two individuals. And so what happens in couples, if one individual is gung-ho and moving forward and the other one is stuck, then the relationship is going to be struggling because it's going to be imbalanced. Mm. And so both individuals, maybe not at the same rate, but they both have to be moving forward in a forward way. And that means individual challenges, individual growth, individual awareness, and they have to be committed to that. So many great pieces of advice for our listeners that can really help improve their relationships. Well, now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions, and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Dr. Kate, are you ready to help us build lasting love? I'm certainly ready to help you build lasting love. Awesome. (laughs) What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? I think what they can do is express affection in a direct way, ask a question about the person's day that's sincere, that they want to know about the person, and take the time to listen every day. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? Well, there's a couple. One of my favorite couples authors is um, Judith Sills. And she's a psychologist that's S-I-L-L-S out of uh, Philadelphia. And she has, you know, her books are a little bit older, but uh, A Fine Romance is a great book um, in terms of just how to take a relationship from courtship to marriage and the fundamental components that are necessary. So that's Dr. Judith Sills. And then there's another book called The Three Marriages, and that's by David White, and that's a little more recent. And that looks at um, the marriage, work, and self as how they interconnect hmm. to make a balanced uh, relationship. Wow, well, that one sounds definitely interesting. That one hasn't been recommended for, so I'll definitely we're going to add those those two books to your show notes page where our listeners know to go there to find those links to check out those awesome books. Thank you for that. Sure. We're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? I would say make sure that you're that you're as intact individually and boundaried in your needs as possible so that with or without the relationship you feel whole as a person. Many people fall in love and they don't have a sense of total connection to themselves and they end up getting disappointment disappointed when they when that doesn't change as a result of the relationship so you have to be individually intact it sounds corny but you know it's I'm sort of 
building on the idea of, you know, love thyself first, mm-hmm. yeah. um, elaborating on that. But I think that that is so fundamental. If you're looking to the relationship to fix a deficit in yourself, it doesn't work. And if you want to change your partner, you know, once you're in a relationship, that doesn't work either. Yeah, it's great advice. It's not corny because it's true, and, and it's going to help a lot of our our listeners and a lot of people in relationships. I hope so. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? I would say love yourself first. Excellent. Touching right back on it. Really important because you, you can't receive love until you love yourself. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kate. We've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. I would love to do that. So I am at um, www.drkateroberts.com, and all my information is on my website, and I have a Facebook page. I have a Twitter account. So I love questions. And you can post some to either, and I'm pretty good correspondent. So I hope to hear from some listeners. Well, our listeners can find all the information of links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab, and you'll be in the archives. And thank you so much for all your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. I wish you the best of luck, and definitely keep me updated on your relationship. I want to hear all about it. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love?